Hi, I'm Stuart, and you probably don't know me, but I'm a sports announcer, a public address announcer to be exact. You know the people at games you hear but never see? Yeah, that's me. I've started a podcast. I call it the Obscure Ball Podcast. Each episode will dive into a story that's, well, pretty obscure. Oh yeah, and it's related to sports. I explore the strange, the zany, the funny, the mysterious, and sometimes the criminal elements from the world of sports. In this episode, we'll explore what many people consider to be possibly the worst promotion in the history of all sports. I mean, I guess there's no way to actually quantify that, but trust me on this one. This promotion did not go the way they wanted it to. But before we get started, I wanted to give everyone a heads up about a new podcast out there that you might like. It's called Conspiracy, and it's a podcast about true crime, cults, political injustice, the paranormal, and of course, conspiracies, by three women who are way too obsessed with the weird and macabre. One of these three women happens to be a friend of mine named Renee. She and I have collaborated on projects before, and she really encouraged me to start this podcast. So I'll leave the info for that podcast in the description of this show. Also, check out smallleagstude.com if you need help with any of your projects. As I've mentioned before, I do all kinds of podcasts, not just this one, and provide voiceovers for various projects. Okay, I think that about does it as far as plugs go. Let's do this thing. For about the past five years or so, I've worked at minor league baseball as a public address announcer. That means I've been an accomplice to some pretty wild and awesome promotions. Like one time, we had a cow brought in, and one of our pitchers milked it in front of everybody. That was about as weird as it seems. We also once did a Jim Beheim related promotion, but the backstory there is so complex and detail-oriented, I won't even bore you with the details. Then there was this guy named Andy Milovich, who made news when he decided to get a prostate exam during the middle of a game. He's the GM for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, and he decided to share that intimate moment with thousands of people during the seventh inning stretch while he sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game. He did so to raise awareness for prostate cancer research, so at least it was for a good cause. And chances are, pretty much anyone listening to this has probably experienced some degree of weird promotions, whether it be at a baseball game or any other sporting event. But in that realm, there's one event that stands alone, and that honor goes to Tencent Beer Night. This was a promotion that, as I teased earlier, didn't quite pan out the way they had planned. June 4th, 1974. The Cleveland Indians were hosting the Texas Rangers. And it could have just been a regular Tuesday night game between two mediocre baseball teams. But that's a tough sell and not actually a promotion. So the folks at Cleveland Stadium figured a beer promotion was in order. Okay, no big deal, right? I mean, they do Thirsty Thursday pretty much everywhere. I think every stadium in the world does some kind of promotion like that. I even know of an Episcopalian church that does that. But in Cleveland, they got a bit too creative when they decided to sell their beer for 10 cents that night. I mean, geez, even with inflation, that's a still. And the parameters were even more insane. People were limited to six beers at one time, but could go back for more anytime they felt like. So in other words, it was pretty close to a free-for-all. The result was a drunken riot that ended the game. Shocker, right? I mean, look, I like beer as much as the next guy, but 10 cents a cup? Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Now, in the interest of being fair, a little context is probably needed here. 
It's worth mentioning that the Indians had been holding this promotion since 1971, and to that point, nothing had gone especially wrong. But in late May of 74, things started getting a little bit dicey between the Rangers and Indians. During a game in Arlington, Texas infielder Lenny Randall broke up a double play by sliding hard into second. A baseball play, but the Indians didn't care for it. So when he came up to bat again, they threw behind him. You know, just to send a message. Well, message taken. Next pitch, Randall laid down a bunt, and Cleveland pitcher Mike Maddox fielded it and tagged Randall out. But Randall hit him in the arm, and then he got punched in the face by Cleveland first baseman John Ellis. A bench-clearing brawl broke out, and it was a knockdown dragout war between the two squads. Then the fans at Arlington Stadium got involved by hurling trash at the Indians players. So it was a pretty ugly event. Actually, that's not just dicey, that's just flat out, you know, barbaric. Eventually, they got back to playing baseball, and that could have been the end of it. But after the game, Rangers manager Billy Martin, who wasn't known to be an especially tactful person, made it even worse when he insulted the fans and the city of Cleveland by suggesting to the media that they didn't have large enough of a fan base to retaliate. Spoiler alert, he was wrong. Also not helping was a cartoon that appeared in the Plain Dealer the morning of June 4th. It showed Indians' culturally insensitive mascot Chief Wahoo with boxing gloves and a caption that read, Be ready for anything. Which, to me, seems a bit excessive for a baseball game. Like seriously, be ready for anything? Well, anyway, it kind of set the mood early on. The night of the game, the fans showed up in full force, already riled up for what otherwise would have been a pretty insignificant game. The Rangers were okay, 25-25, and and the Indians were 24-25, and though neither team were favored to win a pennant or anything like that. But given the recent history, everyone was amped up, and thanks to the promotion, incredibly boozed up. Not a great combo as it turns out. First of all, more than 25,000 people showed up. The people at the stadium were expecting more like 13,000. So there was that. Then the game started poorly for the Indians. Texas scored the first three runs of the game, including two solo shots from Tom Creeve in the second and fourth innings. Cleveland would get on the board in the fourth, but the Rangers extended their lead to 5-1 when they played it two more in the sixth. By this point, the beer was freely flowing and the game was feeling more like Woodstock than a baseball game. In no particular order, these are some of the things that happened. A woman ran out onto the on-deck circle and flashed her breasts. This actually got a huge applause for reasons that are, well, understandable. Fun for some people, I'm sure, but maybe not quite appropriate for a baseball game. A naked man stormed the field and ran around until he was confronted by security. And most perplexingly, a father-son duo ran out into the outfield and mooned everybody. Not exactly an ideal method of father-son bonding, but hey, everyone's different. And it kind of keeps with the night's unofficial theme of unwanted nudity. But things really started to devolve eventually. At one point, Rangers player Mike Hargrove was pelted with hot dogs and an empty jug of Thunderbird. Because, as if 10 cent beer isn't enough, someone just had to have cheap wine as well. I don't even know how they got that jug in there. Oh, and by the way, there was still baseball going on intermittently. Going into the bottom of the six, the Rangers led 5-1. to one. And between the shenanigans in the stands and on the field, it didn't look all that great for the Indians. But here's the thing. They rallied. Cleveland played a pair of runs in the frame thanks to a double by Jack Brohammer, awesome name by the way, and a throwing error by Hargrove who was probably dodging hot dogs 
and an RBI single by George Hendrick. Now it's 5-3 and we've got ourselves a ball game. Let's jump ahead here to the bottom of the ninth. While the game's happening, it's probably safe to assume it's complete pandemonium in the stands, because, well, we know it was. The Indians tie the game at 5 after Ed Crosby singles home George Hendrick and later scores on a sack fly. At this point, the Indians could walk it off, which would be a pretty dramatic end to an insane night. Rusty Torres was on second base representing the winning run, and Brohammer was at the plate. I mean, you can always count on Jack Brohammer, right? He's the Brohammer. But in a night marred by poor decisions, one really bad choice ruined the whole thing. Or made an already ruined game even worse. It's at this point that 19-year-old Terry Yurkich sprinted onto the field. Drunk and probably just in a silly mood, he tried to steal Rangers right fielder Jeff Burrow's cap. Jeff wasn't having it, though. He tried to fend off the drunken fan, but tripped. This set off a wild chain of events. Billy Martin, who thought his player was being attacked, charged to the field with his team close behind him. Wielding bats and already angry from eight and a half innings of abuse, the players were ready to potentially dish out an ass whooping. The problem, of course, is that there were 25 players on the Rangers and 25,000 fans in the stadium. You do the math there. The fans rushed the field too, armed with knives, chains, and chairs that they had managed to somehow pull out. I don't know which of those items is the most surprising, but they're all dangerous. An all-out brawl breaks out between the players and the fans. Things are totally out of hand, and the Cleveland players realizing that the Rangers were probably minutes away from just not existing anymore, decided to put the rivalry aside for a minute and help the Rangers out. They also rushed the field with bats, but it wasn't easy. Hargrove managed to subdue one crazy fan while fighting another on his way to safety. Indians relief pitcher Tom Hillendorf was hit in the head with a steel folding chair. Apparently fans were hurling them onto the field. Chances are that didn't feel great. But to the extent that nobody died, the players' counter-assault proved successful. The players managed to fend off the most savage of the fans and escape back into the clubhouse, but the bases were stolen. Like, literally stolen. Unruly fans were pulling them out of the ground and just taking them. Rocks were being thrown, which is just uncalled for if you ask me. Hot dogs were raining down. I mean, that's just wasteful. People were even throwing batteries. If there was something that could be thrown onto the field, chances are, people were throwing it. Eventually, it got to the point where umpire crew chief Nestor Chylock was like, Alright, that's it. I'm calling this thing. The game was forfeited. Despite the 5-5 score, Texas was declared the winner. Phil Segge, the Indians' general manager, wasn't too crazy about the decision, blaming the whole thing on the umpires. Which, while it's pretty typical to just blame the umpires for everything that goes wrong, in all fairness, they didn't come up with 10-cent beer night. And they're just umpires. How do you prepare for a drunken, knife-wielding, hot-dog-throwing, base-stealing, steel-chair-tossing, battery-hurling mob? I don't think that one's in the manual. When the dust eventually settled, clearly they wouldn't try 10-cent beer night ever again, would they? Well, come July 18th, not even two months later, they were back on the horse. 10-cent beer night lived on. Though this time around, each person was limited to just two cups per night. And they didn't raise hell this time. When the two teams played again on June 5th, only some 8,000 fans showed up to watch the Indians win 9-3. The Rangers would go on to finish in second place in the AL West, while the Indians would settle for fourth in the East. I'm sure somewhere in all of this, there's a moral of the story. Like, 
I don't know, maybe don't give away beer to a lot of people for just 10 cents. Or don't be a drunken idiot in public. Or maybe don't harass athletes when they're trying to play. Or how about just don't harass anybody ever? But then again, this whole event is a reminder that human beings have barbaric tendencies. Especially as it relates to sports. I mean, people used to gather in coliseums to watch lions maul people to death. Or watch people fight and kill wild beasts. Gladiators would fight just for blood sport. That's how sports and coliseums started for us. And even though we live in a more sophisticated and reasonable era, people still return to their chaotic roots every now and again. There's malice in the palace and disco demolition just to name two events that prove this point. I was even present for the 2012 wildcard game when Braves fans trashed the field after the infamous infield fly call. I'm proud to say I didn't throw any trash, but that's besides the point I guess. Alright, I think that's it for this episode. Again, check me out at smallleaguesdude.com and subscribe to this podcast as there will be new episodes sometimes. Also, be sure to give the Conspiracy Podcast a world because it's really good. Alright, bye for now.